Welcome to the Connect FCS Ed Podcast, where we talk about family and consumer sciences education. Each episode is geared to support, recruit, and retain the professional FCS educator. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I want to boldly celebrate with you today, families and careers. Hi, and welcome back to Connect FCS Ed. Thank you for listening. So with today's episode, it's not just one episode, but we're doing a series on the importance of financial education, financial literacy education. It's the month of April, and April is the month of celebrating financial literacy and education for our students when it comes to that. So today's awesome guest that I have, her name is Tracy Godat. She is our financial education public-private partnerships executive director. So Tracy, thank you for being here. I love it. I know Tracy from professional development and I've done some other extracurricular activities with her on the side. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and I'm honored to get to sit down and have this conversation with you. Yes. So, okay. So with financial education, public-private partnership, FAP, as also is what the acronym of what it's called, you're located within Washington, the state of Washington, where I live, we live, and you're housed in our OSPI, Office of Superintendent. Talk to us. What is FAP? Well, FEP is a legislatively created program that back in around 2004, some legislators got together and said, we need to make sure that we are forcing the state superintendent to make financial literacy a priority because it wasn't, it's one of those small content areas that often don't get attention, like some of the higher stakes content areas like mathematics and science and and, uh, ELA and, and so on. And so they created this based on the governor at the time. They had a task force that was going on and they, it was a financial literacy task force. And and combined with that, they created this public-private partnership that is very well balanced with legislators and educators and our private sector partners as well. And the treasurer's office has a designee. We've just got lots of representation around the state. And the purpose of it is to make sure that we are getting financial literacy into the hands of Washington State students. So what is your job when it comes to financial education? That's a very good question because being housed at the state superintendent, it means we're administratively housed there. Washington State has a superintendent of public instruction, which is an elected official, elected, nonpartisan. We have also a state board of education. So state board of education are the policymakers around education for our state. We have also a PESB, which is Professional Educator Standards Board, and they're the ones who deal with teacher certification and also our paraeducator certifications and many more. I'm, I'm minimizing this, but many more duties. But state board and PESB, they are also administratively housed at OSPI. So I'm very much like them, although I'm a two-person program. And our job is more service-oriented to the teachers, whereas the state board is more policy, around policy. And so I really learned to develop relationships because financial literacy fits everywhere, right? It fits in 
CTE, it fits in special education, it fits in social studies, it fits in mathematics, it fits in ELA. We're starting to put a project together that will include the arts. And we're very, very interdisciplinary. And so it's about building relationships, which is largely my job, developing the partnership, which is relationship building and fundraising. So as part of the responsibility of a public-private partnership, we have to fundraise some of our money. And the legislature will commit to continuing funding us, but they want to see those private dollars coming in as well. So that's a little bit of what I do. But also, we create these professional development opportunities. Yeah, and that's how that's how I think we were first introduced is by me going to one of your professional development opportunities. And we were able, oh gosh, it was great stuff. I think it was up at the Snohomish Skills Center or something yes. like that. In, in Everett. In Everett. Yeah, I think that's that's where we connected. And you put on a great seminar or workshop where we had NGPF was taught a little bit going through their curriculum. Money Matters was there through HAPO. HAPO was supporting, which is a a local credit union here based in Eastern Washington. And Mm -hmm. it could be located elsewhere as well, but I know they're located here locally for me. So what can I just add on to that? These professional development opportunities, the one you attended was what we consider our master's training. So we started out doing, you know, a few days of what we call the novice training. And what we realized really fast several years ago, we've been doing these for about 11 years. And we realized teachers that are assigned some of these personal finance courses or courses that include financial literacy did not have the background or the training for it. So we actually have kind of a two-pronged approach where we bring in content experts and deliver content, you know, increase teacher content knowledge along with adding in how to integrate it into the classroom. And so when you were there, what we had, I think we also had somebody there from the FDIC teaching their money smart, I think it's money smart curriculum and department of financial institutions. Who's one of our partners. They bring a lot of material there to help build out that content knowledge for teachers, which we feel is super important. Absolutely. Well, it it is, it's not just important for teachers, but it's a, it's definitely a lifestyle. You have to train your mind. Right. To to follow, you know, to live within your means. But Uh, how can we expect the teachers to deliver that content to students if they don't have the confidence in some of their own skills. And for example, literally we've had teachers that had never understood how credit scores work. So when we bring somebody in that just literally will take an hour and and give a presentation on credit scores, it can be a game changer for our teachers. We've had teachers very emotional in there when we've talked about retirement or investing or debt or, you know, credit and debt, budgeting, all of those things that teachers would normally be delivering to students, but they really didn't have the confidence until attending our trainings. That's often the response we get is how grateful they are that it's going to impact their own personal life. And then they will be able to deliver the instruction so much better. Yeah. Well, when a teacher understands how uh, the curriculum is supposed to flow and they're able to personalize it, 
it just makes the content that much richer and much more meaningful and impactful. I agree. Yes. And and a lot of our teachers that do presentations, what I've discovered over sitting in on a lot of these is where teachers have the opportunity to connect with the students is truly when they have a personal story to share. And um, I can tell you so many times where teachers, it just amazes me how vulnerable they are to sharing their own story. And just one of our teachers simply lets the students even look in her checkbook, like her checkbook register is open as a learning tool for her students and to show them how budgeting works and keeping track of your expenditures and things like that. And it's very powerful. Absolutely. It it really is. And, and I've done stuff like that. And for with, well, actually, when I was teaching my financial literacy course last year, I had, oh gosh, we were going through the process of refinancing our house. So we were getting our credit scores, doing the credit check through the mortgage and all of that. I was bringing my my letters of say what my credit score is and everything. I was bringing those to school and I was throwing those up onto, oh gosh, our the projector so students could see like, this is the breakdown of what that of our credit score. Here is where we sit, and this is what that spectrum. That's what that means. Right. And students then would be all of a sudden be texting their parents and asking, "Do you know what your credit score is?" Right. <laughs> and have parents going, "What's that?" <laughs> yep. And be able, and then all of a sudden that education is going beyond my four walls at school. Exactly. And if if I can say that what we've learned from the pandemic, if we want to go there and talk about the pandemic, if you can imagine when we all first got sent home and the whole world shut down, I was in a position of feeling like, how can I stay relevant for this financial education conversation? Because On one side, we've got teachers that were trying to figure out this new platform of instruction and they're stressed and parents are stressed and they're at home and they're trying to work and trying to do school. So how can I fight to say this is still important because we know now that it was even more important because a lot of people weren't financially prepared for that emergency. And so where I felt like on one hand, we were more relevant than ever. On another hand, how can we fit it in and stay relevant? And so what we found is we turned our in-person trainings to virtual like everyone else. And we found that they did come. The teachers did come. They, they were more hungry than ever for resources because they were changing it up. They were figuring out a new way of doing things. And so by the end of the summer, after we had probably double the attendance that we would have had in person, we found that they, in fact are willing to come because they can be do it from the comfort of their own home and they didn't have to drive or go spend the night or be out of town. And so by the end of the summer, the reports I kept hearing from teachers was that the parents were showing up in the classes because the students are doing that at home. And the parents were showing up in those personal finance classes and asking questions and asking about resources and asking about stimulus checks and asking about, you know, loans and, and those, the moratoriums and and all of that. So it really made me think, how can we now take what we know as our K-12 education and leverage our partners 
And now make sure we're marrying those two together because the parents are at home working and the students are at home doing school. And how can we bridge that? So we launched a series of trainings in the fall that we have available for anyone to show up. So we continued our ones that are mainly based on teachers and instructional and curriculum. Uh, But then we've added additional ones. We had one on budgeting. We had one on online resources, which was Department of Financial Institutions put forward because they have a plethora of resources on their page so that we could really point people into those resources that could help them while we're all trying to get through this. We had a retired bankruptcy judge come and deliver an hour presentation because they're expecting record numbers of bankruptcies to be rolling out as a result of this pandemic. And so she was able to come on and just educate people because we feel like knowledge is power. And so we've got one coming up next month on Washington 529 plans, those, those college savings programs. And we really feel like we just have to keep educating all of them together. Absolutely. Well, you touched a kind of, it's a question that's been rolling around in my head. Those stimulus checks, will we have to put those onto our taxes for next year? I believe so. Oh, all right. There we go. I <laughs> that, believe so. So the amount of money I, I don't know <laughs> from the stimulus disbursements. Okay. I'm going to have to yeah. really pay attention. I think- I I don't know that because I haven't talked to my accountant yet, but I think that they are considered income, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, I think that's still a very wise question. And yes, we'll explore. I'll get back to you. Yeah. I'm curious. Well, before I pressed record, we were talking about OER. So let's go there. The OER is the Open Education Resources, and that is a platform that a lot of states are it's becoming like a, oh, I know a lot of us, we we use Canvas and Canvas has a commons and which you could look up anything that a teacher has put on Canvas. OER, Open Education Resources, is just like that. It's a common area where you can look it up. It's OER.com or is it OER? It's OERcommons.org. There we go. OER Commons. OERcommons.org. And you can look up mm-hmm. so much stuff. Right. And the best part for educators is that they are very, it's built out so that when you add a resource to it, you're aligning it to standards. And then you can check which standards that by state, you know, each state can even like if we put a resource up there, every state could go in and tell us which standards they align to for that state. You could also have different content areas say which standards it aligns to with different content. So it's going to be beneficial because you can look, you can sort things by subject, you can sort things by grade, you can sort things by with just different state hubs, you could sort things by the standard where you're looking at. I love it. And I've been actually, I've been playing around with OER for, oh, I want to say this last year. I remember the year prior at my fall conference, my FCS supervisor was talking about OER and I went on and looked at it, but there was really nothing because it had not been launched yet. And now it is launched in Nebraska. I want to shout out to Nebraska for 
they've been very active in Mm -hmm. uploading so many amazing resources. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to make sure that your listeners understand what that the benefit of going to a platform like that is the fact that these are all open licensed resources, meaning that teachers don't have to pay for them. They, uh, if there's any copyrights, it's very clear on there. The attributions are are clear. And the idea is so they get free resources to take them and use them however they need. And that is what we as educators, we need. We need to have these resources that we're not bound to by a contract or having to follow in such a way. We could we could have this as an extension opportunity for student for student learning and, and engagement, or we can follow these curriculum the curriculums as is. Mm-hmm. So, and can I add that if you go to the ones under Washington Hub Financial Literacy, we have a partner in the Council for Deaf and hearing loss youth, I think is what it is. I forget the acronym, but they were, they were introduced to the state superintendent through this partnership for art, through our partnership. And they were able to get a grant that allowed them to build out these videos that are largely aimed towards deaf students. And you'll have to go in there and look at them because they've got them in English and they've got them in Spanish and they are amazing. So to see that those opportunities, which is going back to the partnership, these are the values of having this as a partnership is to be able to connect and network some of these partners together. And now we've got these amazing uh, videos. There are six of them and I think that they're going to do six more and they might be on employment opportunities, how, how to deaf students can see hope in looking for employment opportunities, things like that. I I haven't seen all of them yet, but check it out. It's just amazing. That does sound like an amazing resource because so at my high school, we have, we have a wonderful ASL program. We really do. And the, our ASL program is strong and Oh gosh, Jenny, who she's one of our ASL teachers and she is part of the hard of hearing community. She posted on you know Facebook a little while ago to, it was primarily towards the deaf community. It was a, a deaf like TikTok or something like that. And they were all kind of griping about how they are always forgotten about. And so hearing, hearing, mm-hmm. <laughs> no pun intended, but mm-hmm. hearing that we, you are incorporate, making sure you to incorporate and make everybody feel included. That is, that is right. so important. And that does bring such an added value right. um, to a community that is often forgotten about. Right. And even just something simple, like with that new partnership made us realize how we did, a we had them at one of our meetings and we had a presentation and we just did the closed caption on a, a YouTube video. Well, we hadn't gone back and made sure that the words that designated were the words being said. And it was confusing this community of um, hearing people that are deaf and hearing loss. It was, and they, I learned from that, that that's, harder for them because then they can't read the lips and then the words aren't matching. And we really learned about that, that we need to make sure we've got closed caption and we need to make sure it's right. Yes. 
Well, that right there, as educators who are, we're building our own video resource library of our own instructional materials. My goodness. Yeah, I know I've recently been sending all of my like newsletter and, and parent communications uh, to our Russian and Spanish translators. And I have thought about it like, oh, I should send this out to our ASL to see if we can maybe get a video to have that to be up on like in my in my video to be up in like the upper right hand corner. But it's adding the the inclusion factor is making sure that nobody feels left out. And when it comes to financial education, it touches every aspect of our lives. It touches us when we're young and when we're wanting to buy candy to, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you got to s- save up your pennies or wanting when the ice cream man would be running around your neighborhood, wanting to spend a dollar, making sure you have that to later on down the road, going to school to better further your own educational career you have those resources and those resources is what matters. Well, and what we also learned from this partnership, which I am so grateful for, is that these students that are hard of hearing and deaf, they don't, they're not listening to these conversations at home. So they're really behind from other students of their own age because they are picking up on things about finances or you know, just things that fall under financial literacy, insurance, taxes, all of those things. They're hearing those conversations at home, around the dinner table or in the car or whatever. The students that are deaf and hard of hearing, they're not getting, they're not hearing those conversations. And so that's where we really have to see value in adding something like the closed caption to our videos, because they, it it adds value to their learning. Yeah. So as a teacher, who maybe lives outside of the state of Washington, where can, and all of a sudden you're just, you're making us want to seek out your curriculum and your resources. Where can you direct us to? Well, if you want to at least take a sample, look at ours, we're at FEP.org and a lot of our FEPPP.org. And we are, our website is housed with the state superintendent. So while you're there and you want to look for anything that might be career technical education or any of the other content areas, you're going to see some of the resources that go with some of the other content areas as well. We put ones up that we use in our trainings and we have some of them that are not just Washington State. That you've got, One of the main ones we use is Financial Fitness for Life. It's not free, but... We have found that after even 10 years, teachers are still using that same curriculum that they've had. Why is that? It's just that good. Really? It's that well-received. And you probably got a little taste of it during the master's training you were at. If you got the little thumb drive that we handed out, yeah, go back and visit that. There's, I think, what is it, 1,400 curriculum on the thumb drive? Yeah, there's... And I, and I passed that around to my other three colleagues who were teaching financial literacy at the same time, just share that because right. I, that thumb drive came in handy. Right. Well, can I also share something with you that I think we've discovered over, you know, just all these years of working with teachers. One of the things that teachers, and this can be teachers anywhere that I feel particularly for delivering financial literacy, they need to 
remember to have guest presenters in their classrooms. The teachers that have it, they're very well received by students. And if you have a financial planner come in, if you have a lawyer come in, like to talk about different, you know, things or some, you know, different career advisors or, you know, just getting different voices in there. You know, we've got Department of Financial Institutions or a lot of banks and credit unions have community outreach programs and they can go in and talk about budgeting or just credit, credit card debt you know, any of those kind of things, credit scores, you know, the Washington State Employees Credit Union, they do a great presentation on credit scores. I think that that's the one piece of advice I would give is don't be afraid to have guest presenters. And right now they can zoom in uh, from anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that is probably one of the the best silver linings out of all of this. You can Mm -hmm. zoom, you could zoom in anywhere. You could be anywhere. We're no longer geographically Confined, confined by, yeah, confined by our state borders, yeah. location, yeah, and so that's absolutely correct. And I, and that's, and I've been taking advantage of professional development like crazy because I'm investing in myself. I'm investing in my own profession, and it's only going to make me better and, and that much more effective as an educator. So, right. don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone to learn something different. That's right. And we've been building out also a YouTube site that's got some of our videos. I'm really proud of the training that we just did, not just because my daughter was one of the presenters, but (laughs) we did one on careers and resumes. And we, because of the way that YouTube works for us, because it's a free account, we had to break it down. So we broke it down by things like cover letter, resume, interview, like that. And so if you go to YouTube and look up FEPPP, you should be able to start being able to view those videos. And while the reason my that I started pulling my daughter into some of these class, she's given presentations and classes in front of students because she works for a company called Aerotech. They're nationwide and they are a staffing agency. So what I was feeling was teachers are talking about resumes and they're talking about job interviews, but they haven't been on a job interview in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what my daughter does. She's an account manager. She's working with multiple accounts. They're a placement agency. They work with a candidate. They prime them to go on every interview and they really can fine tune that process for people. And so for the the teachers to know if this is something to add into value into what you're already teaching with careers and resumes from somebody who's in the field working with this all day long and can talk about the problems they're having with preparing students for those job interviews and showing the areas where we really need to make sure they're ready because they're not. And just, I think we just have to see it from the industry side of it, not just from a classroom side of it. Absolutely. And if, and something that my school, I, I'm proud, I'm proud to uh, showcase what my school and what my colleagues have done. They have uh, built a simulation process where we bring, we partner with our community members and those community members come in to the library and they interview, do mock interviews with our students, our financial literacy students. Wonderful. and. I've had students who have walked out with that was a real interview for them and they've just been hired or they are going to be given an internship opportunity because of how they handled themselves in this. That's wonderful. Partnering with 
men's warehouse to come in and talk about the importance of mm-hmm. dressing for success. That may be a workshop presentation <laughs> to do for us this summer. Ooh, well, that was fun. And yeah. How many times have you done that every year? Uh, well, I did it at my first school a couple of times and then here at my new school a couple of times. So I have a good at least five times. I love it. Yeah. So tired. (laughs) Well, this has been a joy talking with you and just just being able to hear from a different perspective designed by the legislative committee and knowing about your resources, because that's what makes all of us that much better. When we have resources at our fingertips and knowing where to go, our students are going to be impacted by that. So thank you for sharing your resources and your tips and come back anytime. Oh, it's been an honor and a treat to get to see you. (laughs) One day we'll be back in person. Absolutely. Well, my friend, we will talk to you soon. And don't forget to check out the FEPPP.org. There's three P's in there. Okay. So don't forget that FEPPP.org and check out their financial fitness for life and their YouTube channel. Don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Each episode on the Connect FCS Ed podcast, we boldly celebrate families and careers by providing inspiration, support, and resources for teachers, students, and families everywhere. If you could do me a quick favor, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. My mission is to get this out in front of as many people as possible to help educate and inform the community that home economics is alive and well. Thanks again for spending your time with me today. And be sure to visit fcspodcast.com for past episodes and resources to help spread the word that family and consumer sciences is today's home economics.